Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Helix Reviews Podcast. My name is David Arrington, bringing you reviews from a Christian geek worldview. And today on the show, I am talking about 2015, going back through the decade, year by year, looking at every year what movies and what video games were my favorite from that year. And at the end of this series of episodes, I'll wrap it all up in one big episode, uh, counting down my favorite movies and my favorite games of the last decade. So we're in 2015. I got a list here for the movies and for the video games here. And right off the bat, 2015 is looking like a pretty good year in movies. I mean, just the the honorable mentions here, just the things that didn't make my list. We got Ex Machina. We have Z for Zachariah, uh, Inside Out, Insidious Chapter 3, Southpaw, uh, Terminator Genesis. It had some problems, but I ultimately enjoyed that movie. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, The Gift, The Man from Uncle, American Ultra is a little special movie that I really enjoyed. The Room, uh, The Visit, Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, 99 Homes, Creed, a whole bunch of movies here that I really like that didn't make my top 10 list for the year. So overall, I'm going to say just right off the bat, this is a pretty good looking year in movies. But without any further ado, let's just jump into this list right here with my number 10. My number 10 being Victor Frankenstein. Now, this is a movie that I know didn't get the greatest reception. Not everybody likes this movie, but man, I really enjoyed Victor Frankenstein. I mean, it's not perfect. I can understand why the critics didn't necessarily like it, but man, this is what I wish started out the the universal monster movies uh which i don't know who made this i don't think it's the same people that made the mummy and that were working on the invisible man with johnny depp and all that stuff that were trying to make that shared universe you know so this is this is a, t- a different company i believe but regardless i wish this is the movie this and uh, dracula untold which i think is a really underrated universal monster type movie that I wish those two movies started that monster movie franchise, and because you, you got Dracula kind of as the uh, the superhero ish kind of movie with Dracula or anti-hero kind of movie. And then Victor Frankenstein right here. We got the mad scientist. Uh, It's, I mean, basically what this movie is, it's the Frankenstein story done in kind of a Guy Ritchie style. The the frenetic, fast-paced, witty kind of movie. Uh, Just very fun, very exciting, and just, just quirky, weird, fun, monster movie madness that I really, really enjoyed. So, Victor Frankenstein, if you skipped it because it didn't get great reviews, I think it's worth checking out. And again, this is the one that I wish uh, would have actually started off a monster movie universe. I think they could have gotten better from here, but I really did enjoy Victor Frankenstein. All right, that was a long time on my number 10. We're going to go through all these here. Number 9, I have Maggie. This is a very unique zombie drama. Now, I've never seen a zombie movie quite like Maggie because what this movie is is you got Arnold Schwarzenegger and you have Abigail Breslin and the, as a father and a daughter and Abigail Breslin has been infected 
with the zombieism, and so she's slowly turning into a zombie, and then it's it's her journey with her dad as as she's be slowly becoming a zombie. A really different, really unique take on the whole zombie genre. Very interesting. Very cool. Uh, I it, it's it's slow. It's dark. It's sad, and you get a surprisingly you know good performance out of Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, an actor that you you never really think of as somebody that gives great performances necessarily, uh, but him here giving a, a really strong performance, and just overall a really underrated, cool little movie. Maggie, check it out. Number eight, I got Jurassic World. So this is the restart to the Jurassic Park franchise that really kind of blew up, you know, because this uh, really, really successful. Then Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, and now we have Jurassic Park Dominion, I think is what the next one is called. Uh, really enjoyed Jurassic World. Obviously, it's not as good as the original movie, but it's probably the best since the original movie. Really good, really fun, some great, you know, leading characters in that, some great, uh, monster action in Jurassic World. Overall, just a very fun time. Number seven... I got Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, again, very much like Jurassic World, the kind of restart to the Star Wars franchise. And once again, just absolutely fantastic, completely fun, edgy your seat, exciting. I just totally loved that movie, kind of... I, I didn't have high expectations necessarily for Star Wars The Force Awakens, but man, when I saw it, I'm like, dude, this was awesome, this was extremely fun, and there's so many places that it could go from here, and if you listen to my reviews of the other movies, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think it went to all the places that it could have ultimately, but Star Wars The Force Awakens is still a very fun movie, and a, and a cool, like, different uh, version of the Star Wars universe that I did really enjoy. Number six, I have Furious 7. Man, the best Fast and Furious movie out there is Furious 7, directed by James Wan. This one, just, you know, the action is ridiculous and over-the-top and crazy and just ridiculous fun, but the, the reason this is the best Fast and Furious movie is because they instill this, you know, this some great character development and some great character change in this movie to an extent that most of the other movies don't do. You know, most of the other movies are kind of satisfied with the big action and with all this kind of stuff. And the story's there enough, you know, it's 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 there to be like, hey, you know, we're a family and we stick together and all that kind of stuff and you know, cool, okay. But this one, it does take that, and it takes it to the next level, I think, while still just being that fun popcorn action ridiculous flick that, that we all know the Fast and Furious franchise to be at this point. So number six is Fast is Furious 7. Really good movie. Really fun. Uh, number five... I have Ant-Man. So, the the first, maybe, what, did Guardians come out before this? I think this is like the first, uh, pretty much what you would call a comedy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, the other ones had been comedic, but 
This one is just going kind of straight on comedy with it, and it's fun. It's very enjoyable. Paul Rudd as Ant-Man is just is is great. I mean, he's just the most down-to-earth, personable kind of actor that you could get to play this character, and I think he does a, a phenomenal job with that. It's just a, it's just really fun start to this this series that uh, that. You know, again, I, I didn't have huge expectations for Ant-Man. I mean, uh, before watching the movies, the Ant-Man that I really liked was Hank Pym, and he was not the main focus of the movie. Obviously, Hank Pym is in the movie, uh, but but he's not the main focus of the movie. Scott Lang is the main focus of the Ant-Man movie. So I was a little bit disappointed by that, and I went in with you know somewhat lower expectations, especially after Edgar Wright left. I still think it would have been a better movie if Edgar Wright directed it, honestly. But... Still very fun, still a great time. Number four, I have a series of movies. This, this is a single movie in a series that I've never seen any of the other movies in. Mad Max Fury Road. I have never seen another Mad Max movie, and that's something that I was like, oh, I should watch some of the old ones. I think some of the old ones had Mel Gibson in them as, the, as Max, but I've never seen them. And so I, I've been curious about him ever since I saw Mad Max Fury Road, but I've just never gotten around to seeing him. But dude, this movie, it's it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Like the, there's things in the world that you would never think would work to film and make it and do it that way. And yet uh, George Miller, I think, is the, the name of the, the creator of this movie, the director and the writer. And he just he does it. He pulls it off in a way that you buy it, you believe it. And it's just crazy and awesome and so much fun. Just the most like punk rock uh, <laughs> uh, movie, the punk rock kind of action kind of movie that that has come out in a long time. Just absolutely Fun, engaging, exciting, beginning to end, and some surprising character depth for a movie that is so consistently action-packed and edge of your seat and all that kind of stuff. Plus, the visuals are just insane in this movie. It's I, I should watch this movie again, and I should watch the previous movies. And maybe if they come out with another one or something, I'll uh, I'll have to do a franchise review and watch all of them or something. You know what I'm saying? All right, number three. I have The Wave. This is one of the best uh, disaster movies I've ever seen. It's uh, Norwegian, I think. It's a foreign film. I think it's a Norwegian film. And it's just about this little city that, or a little town, I guess, that is in a, uh, a valley between like two mountains. And suddenly there is a tidal wave that's going to come in and destroy their town. And one man, of course, you know, one man figures it out and he has to convince the people to escape and, you know, all this kind of stuff. The somewhat typical kind of disaster movie stuff. But done so well, it's so exciting, and the wave is so crazy and intimidating and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, they develop this character. Uh, it's it's a father and his family. They develop those characters so well that you know his pursuit to go protect his family is so engaging and it's just so fantastic. The wave is a absolutely fantastic disaster movie. If you like disaster movies check out the wave. This is a great one. Number two, I got Avengers Age of Ultron. The second Avengers movie, not as good as the first Avengers movie, and not as good as the two second, the third and the fourth Avengers movies. 
So the weakest Avengers movie is still a movie that I really, really like. This movie, introducing Ultron, which is, this is a cool, interesting version of Ultron. Not quite uh, the version that you can see in the comics, I think, most of the time. But still a, a very cool, interesting version of Ultron with James Spader's voice, I believe, which is also very cool. Uh, once again, all these characters together, just absolutely fun and, and then... Just all these characters together, once again, it's just an absolute blast. It's so much fun. And the again, just the chemistry between all these people is great. And just that's that's really one of the biggest things that, that makes the these movies shine so much. The Avengers movies shine so much for me is all these characters that I already like interacting in ways that are extremely fun. And then... In the sequels, I think they they got that they took that idea and they made it deeper. They they added more thematic value and stuff to that idea, which I really appreciate. But still, the first Avengers and Avengers: Age of Ultron is just just fantastic, man. Both those movies and yeah, my number two and my number one is gonna be The Revenant, dude. This movie is so intense edge of your seat man versus nature and then man versus other men by the time you get to the end of the movie absolutely fantastic based on a true story i believe but then they wrote a book about it and this is based on the book and just absolutely fantastic absolutely tension-filled thrilling leonardo dicaprio giving a phenomenal performance in the lead here the this is the only no, this is not the only performance that he won Best Actor for. Uh, but he, th this is, I think this is his first performance that he won Best Actor for. Did, wait, did he win Best Actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? That's what I was thinking of. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, regardless. Uh, just giving a career of a lifetime here. Uh, just the cinematography is absolutely amazing. The story is so engaging and, and this guy's relationship with his kid and then everything that happens. And he's stuck out there. The bear attack, one of like the best action scenes that I've seen. And it's just, it's just awesome. It's so, so phenomenal. And just beginning to end, this movie is so phenomenal, so intense, edgier see, and engrossing all the way through that this is my favorite movie of 2015. So to once again run down that list just real quick, number 10, Victor Frankenstein, number 9, Maggie, number 8, Jurassic World, number 7, Star Wars The Force Awakens, number 6, Furious 7, number 5, Ant-Man, number 4, Mad Max, Fury Road, number 3, The Wave, number 2, Avengers, Age of Ultron, and number 1, The Revenant. Now, in the past, I've done, uh, you know, all the, the, in previous episodes, of course, I've done the best of the year episodes, and in previous episodes of this, I would always go back and, and tell you the, the top 10 that I made that year, but this time, I, I can't really do that because I didn't make a top 10 la that year. Instead, you know how I always do the categories? I do, you know, best, uh, ultimately I do best picture at the end, but I do, you know, my favorite sci-fi movie, my favorite this movie, that movie, blah, blah, blah. Well, 
This one, I didn't do the top 10 at the end. I just had my number one favorite movie along with those other categories. So, my number one favorite movie from the 2015 days there uh, was Avengers Age of Ultron, which, you know, uh, it's, it's it still ended up at number two. I still love that movie, uh, but The Revenant, I guess, squeaked its way above that movie ultimately. It's kind of a bummer that we don't, uh, you know, that I don't have that top 10 list to compare this to, but ultimately, uh, that's where we're at. We're getting to the point now where the next couple episodes, it'll just be my number one, what, what my number one was back in the day, and then after that, after the next couple episodes, then I won't have had this podcast, and so I won't have any top 10 lists, and it'll just be all completely, completely new material here. All right. Now, let's talk about the the Best Picture nominees here. So, uh, you know, contrary to popular opinion, my opinion isn't the only opinion to be opinionated here. So, I'm going to look at the Oscars here for the, uh, the Best Picture and uh, anything else that was interesting in the Oscars in 2015 here. So, for Best Picture for 2015, uh, the nominations were The Big Short... Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, and the winner was Spotlight. Uh, so, of these movies, I've seen Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, and Room, and uh, of those, you know, Mad Max and The Revenant were both on my list, and Room was in my honorable mentions. I really liked all those movies. The Martian, honestly, it was like, it was fun enough, it was fine enough, and I, when I watched it, I was like, okay, that was pretty decent, but I I ultimately didn't love that movie as much as a lot of people seemed to. Uh, Spotlight, the, the, ultimately the winner here is a movie that I was kind of curious, I am still kind of curious about, just because it's, uh, I think it's about, like, a church where there was a lot of, uh, bad stuff going on behind the scenes, and this is them kind of getting caught and stuff, which is, like, that, that potentially could be interesting, that potentially could be good, but at the same time, it also has the potential to just be like, hey, look, isn't Christianity bad, or isn't religion a, a bad thing, or something like that, which would just be kind of a disappointing take on the matter, ultimately, uh, so I don't know about that. The the big short Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies is another one that I I want to check out. That's one that is still like, oh, I, I should watch that at some point. Maybe I'll get to it. Maybe I won't. Uh, ultimately, of the ones that I've seen, I would have thought The Revenant should have taken that there. Uh, because that's just, again, a fantastic, fantastic movie. But the fact that Mad Max Fury Road even gets a nomination is kind of crazy. Uh, I don't think it ever really had the chance to win just because uh, it's it's just not the type of movie that wins the Oscar, you know. Uh, but The Revenant is the type of movie that wins an Oscar, and that, and that totally could have won. But ultimately, it didn't, and okay. Oh, Best Supporting Actor, there's an interesting thing in here. So, uh, Sylvester Stallone was nominated for Best Supporting Actor from Creed. He was playing, you know, Rocky Balboa in Creed. Uh, and ultimately, he lost to Mark Rylance from Bridge of Spies, uh, which, again, I haven't seen Bridge of Spies. But just, I don't know, just the fact that Sylvester Stallone gets an, a, a Best Supporting Actor nomination is very interesting to me, just because, uh, kind of like what I was saying about Arnold Schwarzenegger before, Arnold Schwarzenegger giving a great performance in Maggie, I think, is really cool, because it's he's not an actor that you think of as you know, someone that would be giving a great performance, because back in the day, I mean, when he made the first Terminator movies and stuff, 
he really wasn't a great actor. Like, he played a good as a robot because it was a robot, you know? Like, <laughs> I, he wasn't really a great actor back in the day, I don't think. And he's gotten a lot better since then. And I think you can say the same thing about Sylvester Stallone. He wasn't necessarily a great actor back in the day. He had the charisma to carry him. He basically, the reason he was great at at Rocky is because he was seemingly playing himself, more or less, you know, and that's the reason that he, he was good as Rocky, and now he's actually giving an even better performance as Rocky in the, the two recent Creed movies, uh, which I don't think he was nominated for the second Creed movie, which he was also very good in, uh, but again, I just think it's, it's cool that you know, this, this actor that you don't necessarily think of, that's like a big popular actor, but you don't necessarily think of as like an Oscar type actor getting nominated for this here. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, can we get like Vin Diesel up next, you know, who's like, you don't think of Vin Diesel as an actor, an Oscar nomination type actor, but if he ends up in a category like this, it'd be, it would be the same thing as like Sylvester Stallone here would be like, oh, I would have never thought of that. You know, Vin Diesel or Jason Statham, you know, coming up with an Oscar or something. It'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do this. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately he didn't win. Uh, best original screenplay. Uh, it's interesting. I think that Ex Machina and Inside Out were both nominated for that. It's kind of interesting. They lost a spotlight ultimately, which won best picture, you know, so, okay, okay. But uh, just Ex Machina because it's it's very much the uh, you know heavy sci-fi kind of movie, and then Inside Out just because it's the the family kids uh, animated kind of movie. So both those I don't know I, I just I kind of found kind of interesting in that category. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road won Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, Best Production Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and Best Film Editing, and, you know, it was also nominated for several other categories, including Best Picture, which, of course, it didn't win that, but it's, it's just cool to see such a weird, wacky movie like Mad Max Fury Road getting, like, this high of recognition at, uh, at, at what is the biggest... Uh, movie celebration of the year every year, you know, the biggest uh, movie, the like, basically the biggest honor a movie can get, and they're giving some of that to this just really bizarre off-the-wall movie, Mad Max Fury Road. Pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, that, that about wraps it up for the movies for this year. Pretty good stuff. All in all, a pretty good year in movies. But what about video games here? Okay, 2015 in video games. But first, by the way, Helix Reviews Podcast is a proud member of the Christian Geek Central Network, a hub of all kinds of cool Christian geeky stuff from around the web, all funneled to ChristianGeekCentral.com. Check it out. So, video games. So, Again, a pretty good year here in video games. I don't have a, a huge list of honorable mentions or everything or anything, but I think I have a really kind of solid list of games for my my top 10 video games of 2015 here. So the honorable mentions: Mortal Kombat X, very fun. I, I enjoy when I play the Mortal Kombat games. I don't always play the Mortal Kombat games, but I, I bought Mortal Kombat X when it was on sale, super cheap, I think, one time. It was, it was like a Christmas sale. It was like five bucks or something. And it's totally worth that. It was It's an extremely fun, great fighting game. And just, yeah, I, I enjoy the Mortal Kombat games whenever I play them. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront, uh, not an amazing game in my opinion, but decent. Uh, just Cause 3, just ridiculous over-the-top fun. It's Just Cause, and it's fun. Uh, Alright, let's just get into it here. My top 10. 
Number 10, I got Mad Max. Now this is, it's technically based on the movies, but I don't think it's based on any of the individual stories in the movies. Again, I haven't seen the Mad Max movies. The only one I've seen is, is Fury Road. Uh, and it's not based on that. So I don't think it's based on any of the stories. I think it's just like, oh, this is a story that takes place with Mad Max in that world kind of thing. And it's just a blast, man. It's just an open world game set in the, the desert of the Mad Max world. I think it takes place in Australia. Uh, just taking place, you know, in that desert. It's just the apocalyptic wasteland. There's a bunch of random people out to kill you. You upgrade your car, get it more and more awesome. You smash into stuff and you shoot guns off your car. You shoot bolts and things off your car. And uh, it's just it's just fun, man. It's just a lot of fun. I believe this is the same team that went on to do Rage 2, uh, which I enjoyed Rage 2, but I, I kind of wish they just went on to do another Mad Max sequel to this instead of Rage 2, ultimately. Uh, this, again, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Number 9, I got Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Not my favorite Assassin's Creed game, but... It is very fun. It's it's uh, you got a, a brother and sister duo of assassins. So I think this was the first time you had two different assassins. Maybe that's not true. You know what? Assassin's Creed Unity uh, was before this one, wasn't it? So maybe not. Never never mind about that. But Assassin's Creed Syndicate taking place in London, and it's just it's it's kind of your. I think it was the last Assassin's Creed before they revamped it. And, I mean, looking at Assassin's Creed Syndicate and looking at what I think the next one was, I think Assassin's Creed Origins was the next one where they revamped the franchise. I, I really do think a lot of things got better in the revamp. I think they fixed a lot of things that were kind of old and janky still in the games in, a, in Syndicate. And then in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, after that, they fixed them even more. So this is kind of back to the old school style of Assassin's Creed. It's a little bit janky. It's it's it doesn't quite meet its potential, in my opinion. That said, it's still fun. The assassins are still fun, and you know, going at the assassinations. You know, where you go out and you got one guy in the middle of a crowd or whatever. Very fun. Very cool. Good stuff. Uh, number eight. I have Dying Light. Now, this is a, there's a sequel to this game that's coming out here that uh, that looks pretty cool. They're changing things up quite a bit, it seems like. Dying Light is open world zombie game where you just you go out there and you can mess around with all the zombies and that's kind of the funnest thing you go around you pushing the zombies around you're jumping around them first person parkour game it's like kind of like mirror's edge meets uh what is that game dead island you know it's like honestly it's like just it's just like the better version of dead island if you played dead island i played some of that decently fun you know it's like what i played to that i was like that's pretty fun you know that's pretty cool but ultimately i fell off that didn't end up finishing it i don't think i ended up finishing dying light either but i did play this and i'm like you know what this is just this is just the better version of dead island better parkour and then just the messing around again messing around with all the zombies and exploring the big open world and stuff is very fun i think there's a lot of stuff they can improve they could improve like the the human enemies and stuff i think could have been better but ultimately dying light was very cool and I, i'm excited for dying light 2 whenever that comes out number seven i got life is strange season one really enjoyed this interesting story game with a, a girl that has time travel powers and so when you're playing the game you can rewind time 
and redo sections of the game in a different way because it's a very story choice based kind of game. Of course, you can't redo some of the, the major choices that you do and all that kind of stuff. But you can go back and you can change things or you can go and look at something and then rewind time so it's like you never looked at it. So the person that you're invading their privacy of uh, doesn't see that you were there or stuff like that. You know, just some very cool, clever stuff and a, a, a nice little story with uh, these, these characters here. Some good stuff with Life is Strange Season 1. Number 6... I got Wolfenstein The Old Blood. Now, this is the first of the DLCs and, like, standalone type. Well, is it even DLC? Standalone DLC game, basically. Just basically a standalone game in the, the Wolfenstein series here. Because uh, there was Wolfenstein The New Order. And then this is just kind of like a, a smaller... Uh, version of Wolfenstein the New Order. The story is less interesting ultimately, uh, but you go to Castle Wolfenstein, which is cool because you didn't do that in the New Order, and uh, ultimately it's just a smaller, more contained experience that's very fun, very entertaining, uh, uh, just that fantastic first-person shooter action system that is in those, these more recent Wolfenstein games that is just so much fun, and uh, yeah, Wolfenstein the Old Blood Absolutely fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it. I guess it's probably one of the lesser of the, the more recent Wolfenstein games, but it's still very good. Very, very fun. When I go back and we, we talk about Wolfenstein, uh, the new order, I'm definitely going to be talking. That, that game's going to be up near the top of that list because, man, I love that game. All right. Uh, number five, I got Bloodborne. Oh yeah, this is a game, I never finished this game yet, but I'm, I'm still working on it. Because pretty much every year, more or less, I go back and I play some more of this game. At least like one point in every year. This year, it was pretty early on in the year, uh, like after Christmas break... I, I was going back to work and stuff, and it's like, oh, I feel like playing Bloodborne again, and that's when I played a whole bunch more of Bloodborne, bought a f beat a few more bosses, and that kind of thing, and then I fall back off of it because it's very grindy, and it's very difficult, annoyingly difficult. I, honestly, I would like this game more if it had an easier difficulty in it, which I know would defeat the purpose for some people, but the point of that game, like, the fun of that game is not beating the extremely hard things in the game. The fun of that game is the exploration of this gothic Lovecraftian world that they created in here with all these crazy, crazy monsters and just a fantastic... Uh, combat system in here that I really really enjoy if we toned down the difficulty and I could beat the bosses in a couple tries instead of a dozen tries that that would be nice <laughs> I would like the game better personally but again I know the people want that rush of oh I tried this boss for 20 times and then I finally beat him and yes oh my goodness and I don't know. It just doesn't work that way for me, but for some people, that's how it works, and good for you. I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll keep coming back to this once a year or so. A little more, a little less, depending on how often, but... I'd, I come back to Bloodborne every now and again, play some more, beat a few more bosses, and, and I always have fun with that. Uh, it's, a good, it's a good podcast game, I think, because when you're going out there and grinding, you can listen to podcasts and stuff as you're going, and that kind of thing. Very fun, very cool, uh, though ultimately, the, the, as much as, like, as high up on the list as it is and all this kind of stuff, the, again, I think 
it could have been better suited to my tastes, I guess is all I'm saying. Uh, but ultimately, not everything has to be suited to my tastes, and that's okay. Uh, number four, Rocket League. Oh my goodness, this game is so much fun, man. Like, I saw the gameplay of this, and I'm like, dude, that looks like it could be awesome. And dude, this is just one of the best sports games I've ever played. Because that's what it is. It's just soccer with cars, and man... It is just an absolute blast to play. So much fun, Rocket League. Just, uh, just like a, a, such a creative kind of offbeat concept that they just nailed so perfectly in this game. I wonder with the next generation coming up uh, if they're gonna do a Rocket League two with with new game modes and stuff like that. I know they you know keep adding new cars and stuff through DLC and all that kind of stuff, uh, which I'm not crazy into. I don't I don't buy that kind of DLC, you know, really, like, the skins and stuff for my car, skins and stuff if you play, a, like, Fortnite and stuff, it's not the kind of DLC that I buy, uh, so, you know, them updating the game in that way doesn't affect me too much other than seeing other people online with those skins and being like, hey, he has the Batmobile, that's pretty cool, you know, uh, but ultimately, man, the, just the gameplay of this is king. It's just absolutely fantastic. I would love to see a sequel, you know, when the next gen comes out and add more game modes, you know, add more different things. Uh, I mean, I don't really know what you need to add necessarily, but I'm sure you could come up with something because, man, just such a fantastic, fun gameplay system here with Rocket League. So great. So great. Number three, I got Call of Duty Black Ops 3. This is when I think the Call of Duty franchise really got right the futuristic technology. There was like one or two entries before this where they were messing with the futuristic technology, the double jumps, the, the wall runs, all that kind of stuff. But man, when you got to Black Ops 3, that is where they nailed it, man. They, they made the double jump, the wall running, and all this kind of stuff just perfectly integrated into the regular kind of Call of Duty formula in a way that is just so much fun, some great maps, and just, just fantastic, man. Call of Duty Black Ops 3, uh, one of the, w one of my favorite Call of Duty games, you know, it's, uh, that one and the first Black Ops game, just some of my favorite Call of Duty games of all time right there, those two, love them. Uh, by the way, they just announced Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, is the next Call of Duty game. So, hey, you know, I but the Black Ops games, generally speaking, are my, my favorites of the Call of Duty games. So, hey, you know, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to, to the Cold War one. And, and taking it back to the Cold War, like, what was the first Black Ops in the Cold War? The first Black Ops was in Vietnam, I think. Uh, so, yeah, taking it to the Cold War, I think that that's fantastic. That That's a uh, an interesting... An interesting time that we haven't had too many Call of Duty games about, I don't think. Maybe I could be wrong about that. But anyway, trailer looks cool. They haven't released a multiplayer trailer for it, which is kind of the main attraction for me with, with Call of Duty. Though I always do uh, enjoy the campaigns when I do play them. Black Ops uh, 3, Call of Duty Black Ops 3 in a number 3 spot here. Absolutely fantastic. I love this game, man. Number 2, Rise of the Tomb Raider. So this is the sequel to the T Tomb Raider reboot. I loved the first Tomb Raider game in that series. And this sequel 
while while I think flounders a little bit more in the story location, it takes all the gameplay elements of that first Tomb Raider game and really just steps it up a notch, creating the, these big, not open world, but these giant open environments for you to explore, for you to hunt down animals, for you to take out enemies and all this kind of stuff, and then, you know, upgrading the bow and all this kind of stuff, just so much fun, so fantastic. Laura Croft, an absolutely fantastic video game protagonist, Rise of the Tomb Raider, is, I think, a great sequel to the first Tomb Raider game in this new franchise. Uh, does it beat out that first Tomb Raider game? No, not quite in my opinion because the, you know, story is my, I, I like stories, you know, it's my favorite. So, <laughs> so ultimately the story aspect of that kind of wins that one over a little more for me. But man, both these first two games, just fantastic, fantastic stuff. Rise of the Tomb Raider, very, very good. Number one, I got Batman Arkham Knight. Yes, so good, man. I love the Batman Arkham games, man. These are some of my favorite games of all time. Batman Arkham City, one of my favorite games of all time. When I counted down my favorite games, it might have been at number two, number three, right around there, right around my very favorite move, very favorite games of all time. And Arkham Knight. I mean, it, it it belongs somewhere in that echelon, not not quite as high. City is my favorite, but Arkham Knight, it just, it again, it kind of took everything and, and kind of made a lot of stuff a little bit better. Uh, you know, I, I like the story. I like the Arkham Knight character. I think they could have done a tweaked a few things to make that storyline flow a little bit better, in my opinion, but ultimately really great. And, uh, and just the combat, the best... The Batman games have the best combat system out of any game ever, in my opinion. Just absolutely fantastic. Just a great, a great version of Batman. A great version of all these Batman villains. And just a, a great story, a great video game action type game. Just a great everything combined to make Batman Arkham Knight. I know some people complain about the Batmobile. Like, they didn't like... Uh, that the, the Batmobile was so prevalent in the game. I love the Batmobile. I thought it was an absolute blast. I thought they shouldn't have used it in place of a uh, Deathstroke fight. That was stupid. And there was there was probably a few too many of the, the battles inside the Batmobile. But ultimately, man, I love the Batmobile. I thought it was extremely fun. And if they make, you know, they're, they're working on an Arkham... Uh, another Arkham game that doesn't have Batman that's focusing on Robin. Arkham Knights is what it's called. That's focusing on Robin, Red Hood, Batgirl, and uh, Nightwing. And, which looks cool. That, that sounds really cool to me. So, if they bring back, which they had a, a Bat motorcycle with one of them. So, if they bring back that or a Batmobile type thing, uh, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, maybe tone down the missions, maybe do a couple less missions with it, maybe, but still having it, because I thought, again, it was it was really fun to drive, and it's just kind of this wacky, crazy vehicle that is, is again, it's just very fun. So that's my top 10 list. Real quick again, number 10, Mad Max. Number 9, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Number 8, Dying Light. Number 7, Life is Strange Season 1. Number 6, 
Wolfenstein, The Old Blood. Number five, Bloodborne. Number four, Rocket League. Number three, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Number two, Rise of the Tomb Raider. And number one, Batman Arkham Knight. A fantastic list of games here. Like a really, really good list of games. I, I love the games that are at the top of this list are just absolute bomb classic games here. I love them. Uh, <laughs> all right. I didn't have a list of video games back in 2015 for this because I didn't have a PlayStation 4 yet and that's what all these games were releasing on. So let's just go to the, the Game Awards here. The, the Game of the Year for the Game Awards here. We got nominations Bloodborne, Fallout 4, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, and Super Mario Maker with The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt winning stacked year. Did I say Fallout 4? Yeah, Fallout 4. Uh, stacked year in video games looking at all this kind of stuff because, I mean, Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, one of my brother's favorite games. He's super into RPGs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I played some of it. I enjoyed it what I played, but it's just, it is way too deep in RPG type stuff for me personally that ultimately I, I didn't finish it. And it's, it's also super duper long. Uh, Bloodborne, in there, like, just kind of one of the, the classic, like, I don't know if you call it a classic if it's from 2015, but just, like, one of the foundational PlayStation 4 video games, you know, just, like, absolutely fantastic. Fallout 4, a big video game, uh, but really doesn't stack up to a lot of these other ones, at least, uh, kind of pedigree-wise, seemingly, to me. Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, I mean... The, the final Kojima Metal Gear game, that's huge. Uh, people were kind of divided on it a little bit because like he was only... Kojima only made like half the game and then they finished the other half of the game with somebody else and so they're like, oh, we gotta have Kojima making the, you know, these games and stuff, which I don't know, I played uh, Death Stranding, which he came out with later and that's absolutely fantastic. I haven't played this one though, but people really seem to like it and then uh, Super Mario Maker, just kind of huge for a certain group of people that love to make the the games and love to make levels in Super Mario Maker and stuff like a really really cool idea and kind of a a really kind of I don't know if you if it's a risky idea or not but like just releasing a, a Mario game where you could just basically make any 2D Mario levels at all that you could ever make and ever want in one game it's like what can they do next with an art with a with a 2d mario game i've have they released 2d mario games since then this i assume so i don't know uh because it seems like they're always releasing new Mario games. I don't know. I don't play them because I don't do Nintendo. Uh, you know, of these, I would say Bloodborne's my favorite, obviously, because it's the only one on my list and on this list. Uh, but again, just the pedigree of games in this list is really, really high, uh, with Fallout 4 seemingly being the lowest one, which is like, Fallout 4 is still like a big game. Best independent game, I thought is an interesting one here because we had, uh, Undertale, which kind of became a really, like, big deal with a certain group of gamers, and it, it popped up in here, and Ori and the Blind Forest, which is now a Microsoft IP, uh, and they released Ori and the Will of the Wisps this year, uh, which is, now it's, that's an Xbox exclusive, and Rocket League ultimately won that category, which Rocket League is huge now, Rocket League is so big, and to think it was in the independent games category, like, 
if they come out with another one, are they still going to be an independent game, quote-unquote? I don't know. Anyway, very cool, very interesting. A couple more categories here. Uh, best narrative in a game. Uh, the Life is Strange, Tales from the Borderlands, The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, and Until Dawn. Uh, I have not played Until Dawn. I really should play Until Dawn. Uh, people really talk pretty highly about that game. Uh, and her story ultimately won that. Uh, of these, I've played uh, Life is Strange and Tales from the Borderlands. I played the first episode of, and I really I really enjoyed that first episode. It's always one of those things like, oh, I should go back and play that, but I, I never have. But like the, just some really good, solid narrative games in here and some games, you know, like Life is Strange and stuff that's, that's I don't know, I just, this cool choices popping up in here, I think. It's kind of a little bit surprising, maybe, that The Witcher 3 didn't win, considering just how big that game is, but I've never played her story, I don't really know the story of her story, so maybe it's bigger and better, I don't know. Best Art Direction is another interesting category here, uh, with Batman Arkham Knight, Bloodborne, Metal Gear Solid 5: The Phantom Pain, and uh, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt in here, with Ori and the Blind Forced, uh, ultimately winning this. I've never played Ori in the Blind Forest. I did play a little bit of Ori in the Will of the Wisps, uh, which the art direction in that is just mind-boggling. It's like, it is so pretty, man. It is such a pretty game. Not my type of game. I'm not the side-scrolling, 2D side-scrolling kind of guy, but absolutely beautiful game. And so it's like, I understand why the, the precursor to that game won. But Batman Arkham Knight getting in here, uh, very cool. You know, all the, the costumes and the design of Gotham City and all that kind of stuff. I can see why best art direction with that. Bloodborne absolutely could have taken this category with the gothic world that they created with this and the Lovecraftian type monsters that they created in Bloodborne. Some very, very cool art direction there. Uh, and again, Metal Gear Solid 5 haven't played and The Witcher 3. Um, some cool stuff, but honestly, these other ones stack up a little higher in my mind in this category. Uh, some cool stuff in that category, though. Best performance is also kind of interesting here. So we got Ashley Birch as Chloe Price in Life is Strange, the uh, the main character of Life is Strange. Camilla Luddington as Laura Croft in Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, not enough Rise of the Tomb Raider nominations in this list, by the way. There's there's I think this is the only Rise of Tomb Raider nomination that uh, that it got for the Game Awards here, which I, I think it deserves some more. But hey, Doug Knockle as uh, Geralt of Rivia, you know, from The Witcher 3, and then Mark Hamill as the Joker in Batman Arkham Knight. And then, of course, the, the winner, of course, I guess, not, not necessarily, of course, but the winner is Viva Servit as Hannah Smith and her story. Again, I've never played her story, don't really know anything about it, but man, the list in here, you know, Chloe Price from Life is Strange, Laura Croft from Rise of the Tomb Raider, Geralt from The Witcher, and the Joker from the Batman games. Like, man, so a great list of some great performances in video games this year. Some some great stuff. I always I always find the the performance interesting in a video game because that is something that you don't always think about but is definitely a strong component to more story-based games like all these ones are uh and then best shooter and best multiplayer game call of duty black ops 3 were in there but they lost to splatoon come on splatoon uh, i never played splatoon but 
Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Come on, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, Rocket League won the best sports slash racing game, which it absolutely should because that game is phenomenal, fantastic. And that's it. That's it for my list here of favorite things from 2015. This has turned out to be one of the, the longer episodes in this series, it seems like, for some reason. I don't know why it wasn't planned, but it is the way it is. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Helix Reviews Podcast. I, I don't say that often enough, I don't think, but the fact that you take time out of your day to listen to this podcast is uh, super awesome. You know, you don't have to, and you do, so that's super cool. Dumb. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the Helix Reviews Podcast. Uh, coming up on the next episode, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, th- th- third one. It's not Excellent Adventure. Bill and Ted's uh, Bogus Journey is the second one. Bill and Ted's third movie, which I don't remember the name of, is coming out. I intend to go see it, and I will have a franchise review up for you guys, hopefully sometime this weekend, so hopefully I'll get a fairly quick turnaround with that to to get a review out to you guys pretty quickly. So that's coming up pretty soon here. That's it for this time, guys. This is David Arrington of the Helix Reviews Podcast, signing out. Bye-bye, guys.